0: Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University.
1: The important aspect here for me is that for the first time, most organizations should be Starting to look at that more emotional data and saying this customer's feeling frustrated, therefore, we need to execute the frustration experience.
2: My goal, Bikram, is to get you sued during the, the yeah. course of this podcast. That's <laughs> what I feel. Oh, that, I feel it. I feel it.
3: I feel it. <laughs> If you've got a really good AI model, which has got a really good predictive power, you should be able to, in general, get a sense of how your product is doing, how customers are feeling about it.
2: Well, Colin, I am happy to introduce a special guest that we have on our podcast today. Excellent. We have Bikram Ghosh, who's an associate professor of marketing at the Eller College of Management at University of Arizona, down in in scenic Tucson. Welcome, Bikram. Welcome.
3: Thank you, thank you.
2: So we have Bikram on today because his particular area of interest, what he does research on, his specialty, he's an artificial intelligence guy. So this is an area that Colin is very interested in and likes to ask me lots of questions about that I am unequipped to answer. So
1: <laughs> doesn't it just join the list of things? Yeah, that to be clear, this about. is not the only topic that I
2: am <laughs> unequipped to answer. Well, often I still answer even if I'm not technically equipped to do so. But we thought in this one instance we would get in an expert who actually had some idea what they were talking about.
1: Bekram, if you want to ask Ryan about axes or wood carvings or whatever else, then
2: he's an expert in that.
3: (laughs) Is that right? I didn't know about that. Yeah,
2: I've been encouraging Colin to change the general topic of our podcast for many months now. He's he's resistant to the idea of an axe podcast. Well, Bikram, we're we're really grateful that you would take the time. Thanks so much.
3: Thank you for inviting me.
2: I've known Bikram for many years now, but the kind of the impetus, the reason that we had him on is I saw him do an online webinar that not only talked about artificial intelligence, which we'll we'll dig into, but also his particular interest, which is in kind of the overlap between artificial intelligence and behavioral economics or, or psychology heuristics, which I think is just such an interesting angle at it. So let's start real generally. I think everyone's heard the term artificial intelligence. I think the vast majority of us only kind of sort of know what it means. So can you give us a a primer? What is artificial intelligence? What does it mean? How is it used?
3: Absolutely. So artificial intelligence, as the name suggests, it is intelligence by machines. And it is intelligence because what these algorithms, if you will, tries to do is to mimic the human mind. So it is, tries to mimic human intelligence. And one of the basic characteristics of human intelligence is that we as humans learn by making mistakes. Okay. And that's exactly what the machines are trying to do. So just like us, it guesses, it takes a stimuli from the external environment, which we call inputs. And on the basis of that stimuli, it is trying to predict some sort of an outcome. And obviously, just like human beings, we make mistakes and we look at the outcome wherein what we predicted differs from what the reality is. And we go back and we try to fix the mistake over time. We are getting better predictors. And that is exactly what machine intelligence or machine learning is. It learns from past mistakes. So the process of getting the stimuli from the environment, which we call input, and predicting an output is a process called uh, forward feeding. That is, we literally guess. And once we make the mistake, we backpropagate the errors. And here in the term backpropagation that you hear quite commonly in artificial intelligence, by backpropagating the error, we learn. And we learn and we make better predictions as we go forward. And henceforth, the term machine learning deep learning, because just like human beings, machines are trying to learn over a period of time by making mistakes. And that is the basic bedrock of artificial intelligence. And it is intelligence because it is trying to mimic the human brain, which essentially has got this particular characteristics of intelligence by fixing mistakes over time. And if you think about it, if we go a little bit forward, when we learn, and when we fix our mistakes, there are a lot of like these contextual things which comes into play, our emotions, our mood, and how, where we are in the day. And that's why nuances in behavioral economics are really important to learn and to fix mistakes as we go forward. So that is what really artificial intelligence is. So in a very basic form, it is Intelligence from Machines.
1: For me, it's a sort of a fundamental thing about clearly it's garbage in, garbage out. Okay, so if you don't collect the right data, then how in the hell do you sort of interpret it? And what we know is that most organizations are not collecting data about how a customer feels. And they're certainly not, and one of the things that we talk about on this podcast, they're, they're certainly not taking into account the behavioral, economic, psychological aspects, and the irrationality, Ryan doesn't like me saying those words, irrationality of customers. Yeah, The way I'm looking at artificial intelligence is this could be absolutely clearly stunning. However, you've got to make sure that you're collecting some emotional data, surely, and you've got to program in somehow the whole piece about some of you know what heuristics are or some of the other theories and stuff that we talk about on this podcast maybe i can reframe that
2: in a more general way like how do ai algorithms cope with missing information right so if firms are not collecting information about emotions for example are ai models just going to miss that part or are they able to infer some underlying structure or, or or i guess what are the limits of this approach
3: that's a really good question and If you look at behavioral data, which comes from secondary data, which you collect from, say, grocery store, which are past behavior, how much a customer bought, how much a customer spent, and so on and so forth, obviously there are no behavioral nuances to it. You can have some models which can try to predict it, but companies these days also collect huge amounts of textual data. So how consumers are talking about our products on a blog how consumers are talking about our product on Facebook, on Twitter. Those are, in many ways, attitudinal data. And from that, the algorithm can, if you are setting up the algorithm right, it is, in some ways, able to extrapolate behavioral nuances. So that is a big area in machine learning, which we call natural language processing, that is, learning from free-form text discourses, corpus, reviews, social media, on and so forth. There is another huge area in computer vision and AI algorithm wherein companies try to learn from how people react on their product or brand. So what kind of uh, emotion did they have while the consumer is trying their brand? So freeform picture data from Instagram, from other social media posts. So the answer is sort of like, twofold. Yes, if you look at secondary data, the data that we as marketers have been playing around with, it is hard to extrapolate or engineer consumer emotions. However, fortunately, the recent developments in AI is geared towards processing what we call natural language discourses and image and video and speech. So you can actually take speech to convert the speech to text, vectorize the text to actual data and try to analyze and see really how the consumers are feeling in real time about your product. So definitely, if you don't collect textual or image data, then you are missing out on a great part of leveraging artificial intelligence techniques. Yeah, Organization is important to look Towards those type of data to capture the behavioral nuances. I'm sorry, Colin, I, I interrupted you.
1: The reason I'm jumping in is because I'm so excited. I yeah, get he's excited like a, by he's these
2: like things.
3: A yippy dog on a leash
2: <laughs> I like that. I like that. Few, he's usually well behaved, <laughs> but when I talk about artificial intelligence, he just he can't help himself.
1: Artificial intelligence and memory, and these two things, I think, start to link together. And if we can mention Apple in here somewhere, then <laughs> that would be. My question is around, if you look at companies like Clarabridge, Qualtrics, you may not know these companies, but these are organizations that effectively collect voice of the customer feedback, okay? There are a number of other ones out there, by the way. And what they do is they Collect what they call sentiment analysis. So they do a lot of sentiment analysis. So they, they can suck in information from Twitter and from other social media sources. They can look at emails. They can look at all the things that you're saying and effectively do the sentiment analysis on those by picking different words. And in fact, I was speaking at the Clara Bridge conference in London a few months ago. And one of the things they're now looking at is the intensity of emotions of the customers are feeling, and they're clearly doing that through algorithms and being able to predict things, etc. It feels fairly logical to me that if you've got a customer that's been sent a bill that's wrong, and that customer has phoned the contact centre four times and they've been kept waiting for half an hour of time and this has happened for the last two weeks that you could predict that the customer's not going to be very happy with you when they finally get through to you so therefore in other words they're predicting that they're going to be feeling frustrated and therefore what they can do about it And therefore, from that sort of emotional side, and let me stress, not many organizations are doing what I've just articulated, in fact, very few. However, where I've sort of started to iterate this through to is going, yeah, okay, so that's a given. I mean, that's pretty basic, really. But how do they start to understand the more nuanced behavior of this piece where customers will tell you one thing and they may even write, in their documents that they're happy but they're actually not or how do you get under the skin of what's happening from a behavioral economics standpoint with that if you're not having a sort of an input is it just looking at the patterns of behavior and therefore saying well when you do this this is what happens
3: one of the things is the fact that one customer and then you have got the entire population of customers what customers are feeling about your product it is very hard in some sense to exactly troubleshoot what exactly one customer feels but what the ai models would probably give you is a general average sentiment which are fairly close to the reality about your product whether what is the valence about on your product whether the customers in general feel positive whether the generally the customers feel negative about your product now your question is the fact that if a customer wrote something and they are frustrated what is really their true feeling that is a lot more nuanced question but if you've got a really good ai model which has got a really good predictive power you should be able to in general get a sense of how your product is doing, how customers are feeling about it. Now, this area of behavioral economics and AI are fairly new. What is really happening right now, and for, or for that matter, what, for example, Amazon is spending a lot of time and money on, from what I could understand, is to capture the nuances of consumer emotions in their AI model. So Memory is already being captured. Attention is already being captured. But the question is, how do I capture empathy? How do I capture emotions? And that's where behavioral economics kind of comes in. Because the computer engineers don't really know that. And for computer engineers to act on it, they need to know how to convert these emotions to raw numbers. That's where what we call it vectorizing these emotions are what's happening right now. So to get the full advantage of AI, uh, a lot of those things have to be somehow put down in numbers. How do you convert some of these? What does empathy mean to a computer engineer? How do you convert that to raw numbers? That's where the field is. Now, going back to your initial question that can you troubleshoot what really is going on in one individual customers? More so, the AI algorithms predict the average behavior across the population.
2: So, Bikram, do you have a favorite example of AI that has kind of really done what it's supposed to or is really helpful? And then also, do you have an example of someone who's done something that is not artificial intelligence and called it AI that gets under your skin?
3: Uh, Well, I mean, AI is such a broad topic. So... When you are talking about most of the machine learning models, so if you're just simply predicting buying versus not, not buying, it is not really artificial intelligence. However, anything that has got the neural network architecture at the background would be considered as an AI. One of the papers that we are working on right now is using AI techniques is Along with our PhD student, we are working on a paper wherein we are trying to figure out how to design the crowdfunding websites. Nowadays, a lot of these small entrepreneurs sell their products through places like kickstarter.com and indiegogo.com, wherein what these entrepreneurs do is to create this project creatives, and they are a bunch of few things. They create a text blurb, and they choose an image, they choose the color characteristics, and they choose the background, All these types of data, if you think about it, are non-traditional data, right? So what we are trying to figure out is what would be the right textual blurb characteristics, what would be the right color characteristics, what would be the right background characteristics, whether it should be geometric, whether, whether it should be minimalist, and so on and so forth, so that the entrepreneur is able to raise more money through the crowdfunding website. So that's where we are using artificial intelligence to sort of like collect data to scrape data on the color characteristics and the background characteristics and the text blurbs and so on and so forth to come up with good recommendations for entrepreneurs to do so that is a clear application of artificial intelligence techniques or deep learning techniques to a business world problem
0: Let Beyond Philosophy help you discover what your customers really want, not what they say they want, by uncovering the hidden drivers of value in your customer experience to create real ROI. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com/contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com/contact.
2: And is the artificial intelligence part of it that you are not imposing a structure? that you're letting the, the algorithm learn? So you're not saying, let's test blue images versus red images, or let's test long versus short videos. Is the artificial intelligence part of it that you're just saying, you computer, tell me kind of what are the characteristics that matter? Is, is that, am I understanding that right?
3: Absolutely. So the artificial intelligence basically learns color characteristics we as humans, we are able to see blue and call it blue because that's a part of our intelligence.
2: Unless you're colorblind. Wow, way to call people out, Bikram.
3: <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mean to go there. You got me there.
2: We're all human except for you colorblind people.
3: Mm. Right, right, right.
2: <laughs> my goal, Bikram, is to get you sued during the, the course yeah. of this podcast. That's what I'm doing. Oh, I feel
3: it, I feel it, I feel it. I feel it. (laughs)
2: No, I mean, the reason I ask is that like this, this question of what aspects of a website matter more, that's something that could have been done using traditional statistical techniques, right? So a researcher could have imposed a structure, could have coded it themselves and said, I'm interested in looking at long videos versus short videos. And I think if I understand and correct me if I'm wrong, that the beauty of this is that the machine might be able to detect things that we would never have categorized ourselves. We wouldn't even considered to be different categories. And and, and the machine is just kind of learning by stumbling around through the data and making lots of mistakes. Am I mischaracterizing that or is that okay?
3: Oh, no, you're absolutely dead on. So yeah, individual researcher can do that. What AI algorithm is able to do in our case, so for Kickstarter, we had to scrape like 100,000 websites, you see? That is where you can get scale and you can get precision mm. through
1: that oh, yeah audit. Let me give you an example in our space that I think will be interesting to the listener. And let's talk about one subject that Ryan loves, which isn't access. It's segmentation. So most organizations have a very poor segmentation model. Most segmentations are pretty poor. We have big customers, we have small customers, we have medium customers, we have customers that are in the pharmaceutical sector, we have customers that are in this, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. The way I see this going is that there is effectively dynamic segmentation. So taking the concept that you've just said, which is effectively you're piling all the data in and you're letting the machine categorize where these different groups are, then they're categorized by the actions that they've been taking. So it's more of a behavioral segmentation. But because it's in AI, it becomes dynamic, okay? So customers can move between different segments dynamically, and what that means the organisation then does so customer over here doing all these things they're therefore in this segment and therefore the experience we now want to give our customers is this yeah therefore it can vary and again i i see ai taking a stance in both areas so interpreting what the the customer is has been doing and interpreting the data of, okay, what segment do we put them in, how are they feeling and blah, 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 blah. Then the second area I see it coming in on is going, okay, well, given that, here's the experience that we should now be delivering to that customer. And there could be multitudes of different experiences that you deliver to that customer depending upon the dynamic segmentation. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, that does completely make sense. Absolutely, yeah. You talk about customer segmentation. That is where many of the AI models are being used. The specific example that we were doing, we were categorizing images. And even within images, we were categorizing the color characteristics of the image. We were categorizing freeform text. So even within text, we were trying to categorize the positivity of a text, the objectivity of the text, the extent of grammatical errors or the grammar of the text, the complexity of the text, all these type of things are fairly non-traditional way of looking at data, you see, and that's where the AI algorithms kind of come in. Now, the same techniques that we are talking about can also be applied when the unit of analysis is not color characteristics or textual data, but consumers and definitely it can be done at a dynamic level because customers change, and that's the characteristic of the customers. So the segment allocation goes on hopping around from one state to the other because the consumer state changes, and you can definitely categorize customers exactly the same way you categorize pictures or or text and so on and so forth, yeah?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think the leap for me is that AI effectively does the dynamic segmentation and effectively predicts how the customer's feeling and what they've been doing and what they've been doing through their behavior, etc., cetera, et cetera. The next part for me has to be, okay, so given that that's how the customer is feeling, these are the things that we should do. The important aspect here for me is that for the first time, most organizations should be starting to look at that more emotional data and saying this customer's feeling frustrated, therefore we need to execute the frustration experience. This customer's feeling that nobody cares for them and they don't appreciate their business, therefore we need to execute the appreciation bit of your business experience. And they're going to end up with multiple potentially hundreds, particularly if this stuff is starting to be delivered much more online, you could see them coming up with hundreds of different experiences which are potentially generated by the, or would be generated by AI because again, it's going to just learn as it goes and learn what the outcome is and if the outcome is things like customer loyalty and stuff like that then it will learn well which things keep the customer keep retention keep acquisition etc etc
3: right absolutely when you talk about this like what should a company do so there are two aspects to it right with uh, if you are if you're able to with sentiment analysis, you get the customer side of the story in the sense that you can get whether the customer is feeling positive, negative, neutral, for example. And obviously, nowadays, there is even more nuanced categorization. So that's the customer side of the story. Then comes, if you are really have to set up the AI model, what are you going to do? Or what are your company employees who are handling the customer complaints are going to do given what the customer has experienced. You have to basically categorize those and then map those to actual outcome. So if the company does this, when the customer feels this, what is the real outcome? Have the customer's loyalty increased, decreased? Have the customer bought more? So there are three layers to it. And to set up the AI model, the first part is to set up something like a sentiment analysis that is categorizing the customer's feeling into different buckets. Second is categorizing what the companies are going to do into different buckets and then mapping those into outcome variables. That would give you a complete uh, analysis process designed for an AI to work out from end to end. Collecting data at the customer level all the way down to the deployment, which is what's important for you customer loyalty, behavioral measures, whatever you're trying to track.
1: And I think the key part for me that I would add to your list is what drives value. You should be able to work out from that, what are the things that drive value, that drive customers' behavior to make them buy or make them stay or do whatever it is that you want them to do so you can get return on your investment. So uh, a couple of things here I think is important. First of all, let me remind everybody that we do a podcast summary after the show. The purpose of the podcast summary is one of our readers, our uh, readers, <laughs> wrong medium. Somebody who wanted to be a reader and wasn't able to, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and we now Absolutely. enabled them to, to become that.
1: We did. So we do a, a thing called a podcast summary, which is basically a document with the key takeaways and the recommended actions and we're just about to get into the recommended actions and you can download that by going to beyondphilosophy.com backslash podcast summary that's beyondphilosophy.com backslash podcast summary and then you can share that around with your team and stuff like that Uh, so we hope that's of use So let's maybe get into this, the the critical bit, which is really interesting stuff. And it's been fascinating. I could genuinely talk about this stuff for the next two or three hours, but we don't have that time. But let's get into, so what does it mean that organizations should do? And maybe just let me start by saying the key issue for me is organizations are in danger of just repeating what they have today without thinking about what they need to have tomorrow. So we know that most organizations do not think about or very much think about the emotional aspects of an experience. And yet we know that emotions drive a lot of customer decision makings. We know that organizations don't Really understand behavioral economics. And again, that is what's driving customer decision making. So I think the first thing for me is whoever's listening to this podcast has got to start to get on a bit of a campaign to get people to understand this stuff. By all means, get them to listen to the podcast. But you've got to get them to understand this stuff to open their eyes to what AI would be able to produce in the future. Because for me, and then the next step is look at where you can suck all this data in. As Bickram has just been saying, look at emails and Twitter and Facebook and anything else where the customer's giving you information, because all of that lot can be sucked into AI and then analysed, etc. So I'm not going to go on for hours because I genuinely could. For me, in terms of of
2: AI, it requires a basic understanding of what it is and what it can do. You know, the the majority of people who are listening to this podcast aren't in a position to program their own AI algorithms.
1: Not today, anyway.
2: You don't. Yeah, that's right. You got got a weekend. Take a course.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's an online course. That's that's right.
2: (laughs) Do a Udemy. It'll be fine. You don't need to program the algorithms in order to use it within your business. You can hire people to execute it. Artificial intelligence is a term that's been around for decades and mostly used in a science fiction context. And so I think that there are a lot of people who are either just terrified of it and afraid to even touch it or who essentially just assume that it's magic. And so for me, it was really useful listening to Bikram explain the nuts and bolts of it because it helped to categorize. So for me, and and this is where I'd be interested in, in Bikram correcting me if I'm wrong. I think it would be useful for business leaders to know what kinds of problems can be solved using artificial intelligence. And and listening to you talk, I was able to pick out some things that that were helpful for me. It sounds like a lot of artificial intelligence algorithms are really good at categorization. So if you've got a problem that needs categories in order to solve, and as, as Colin talked and as Bikram talked, there are lots of problems that can be solved through effective categorization. Segmentation and targeting, design aspects. There are lots of things where if we can say this category is more effective than that category, and also what should those categories be, that's what artificial intelligence is good at. It's good at kind of squishy problems. So things that like text analysis that in the past would have required human intelligence to spend a lot of time with. Artificial intelligence can do that. And also, it sounds like from listening to you talk, Vikram, that, that artificial intelligence can be really good at scaling up problems and dealing with things that that used to take a lot of manpower. So th- those would be my kind of breakdown of the rules of AI, if you want to look at it. Like, look within your organization. Are there problems that can be solved with categorization? Are there squishy problems? And are there large-scale problems? And so, Bikram, add to those, correct those.
3: That's really, really well summarized and well put. AIs are really good at classification tasks, the prediction task. Number one, it is able to process types of data which we were not able to do so 15, 20 years back, which is textual, image, vision, video, speech, so on and so forth. Those are all technical bits to it. From a managerial standpoint, and when I'm basically teaching this uh, stuff at the executive level... There is another aspect to it. For a leader, they are not going to get into the nitty-gritty details of the technical bits of AI. But for them, I guess what comes down to is that what does AI do? If you think about it, AI complements human work by providing intelligent automation of business processes. It complements. It complements human effort and it scales it. It scopes it. It takes it to a level that you yourself you're not able to do.
2: That was really well put. That was a nice, that was a nice bit summary there. That was good.
3: So the complementarity is what's important. So the next question comes in is that how do leaders think about this complementarity? The literature on that is, and I'm going to basically go into the literature a little bit, is to look at the business process. Whatever business process, so if you are talking about the call center, designing a call center and incorporating AI in that. So what does a call center representative do and how I can incorporate AI? So the first job to incorporate AI is for a leader is to break out a business process into simpler, smaller workflows and say that this part of the business process can be automatable If the answer to that question is, okay, this part of the business process is automatable, you can sure as well incorporate AI in that part of business process. And that particular business process can be a categorization exercise, can be a prediction exercise, so on and so forth. So there is this higher end view that is, what can AI do for my business is to figure out how can I re-engineer my business process, break it up in such a way and see at the individual level where I can incorporate AI and where I cannot incorporate AI? Anything which is repetitive, anything which is very physical in nature, such as processing large amounts of information, AI is good. What is AI is not good at as of now is creativity, judgment. Decision making—that's where humans kind of come in. So that's where the complementarity is right now. So I go back to the go back to the issue, which uh, Ryan, you did it much better than do. AI are great at categorizing. AI are really good at classifying because that's what these algorithms are trained to do. Then there is the issue of leadership. Where do I put AI? kind of depends on how you are looking at your business process and which part of your business process is automatable. If you can figure that out, AI can be quite complementary.
1: Bikram, that's been really, really interesting. And uh, thank you very much for your insights today.
3: Oh, no problem.
1: If people want to get hold of you, Bikram, then how, how would they best do that? And Colin's asking for himself because he
2: might want to call you at like two in the morning because he's excited about AI (laughs) and he wants to talk more about it.
3: My entire information is there in my Eller College website. Please feel free to email me at my email address, which is bghosh at email.arizona.edu.
1: Good. Thank you very much. Don't forget, everybody, that uh, you can download the podcast summary at beyondphilosophy.com backslash podcast summary. So thanks very much, Bikram, and we look forward to talking to everybody next week. Cheers.
0: This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com podcast find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.